President and CEO of the Better Government Association, and uh, a lot to talk about as always. David, we continue to see this tug of war between a desire to get back to normal, get back to activities that we used to do, and the fact that we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Some of that battle is being waged in court with the Illinois Republican Party suing Governor J.B. Pritzker this week. Right. The Republicans have filed a suit claiming that Pritzker is being sort of cavalier in the way that he uh, enforces his stay-at-home order. Uh, specifically, they, he's, they're criticizing him for marching in a parade in Madison on June 8th. They're saying that he's allowing religious gatherings to uh, to be held, which he obviously did under significant uh, political and legal pressure, uh, but also that um, uh, but but that they think they ought to have a right to meet, and there are other groups ought to have a right to meet as well. Um, we've seen numerous lawsuits on this issue now, and uh, by and large, the governor uh, is prevailing. But uh, uh, the GOP at this point, though, they have conceded that they're virtu- they, they will have to hold their convention virtually. Um, and so they're at least complying as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, and they did that this past weekend, but they weren't happy Sorry, about but, yeah. it. And and what's really interesting about this is that you could look at this and say, okay, the governor's not uh, following his own rules. He went out and marched with the protesters. And there's one of two ways you could respond to that. One is to say, Everybody should have fewer of these gatherings because it is a pandemic and because we don't want to have the the numbers start to go upward again. Or the other approach is, well, let's just open more things up. And it seems like more and more people are choosing plan B there. We have seen some of the best numbers in the country in recent weeks because we have been shut down. And it's it's kind of, uh, at least from from my perspective, kind of remarkable uh, that people now seem to think that we're out of the woods on this. But I I would I would think that most medical experts would say we're not out of the woods. Well, in fact, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci gave an interview to The Wall Street Journal this week in which he said we're still in phase one. People are talking about phase two or a a second wave. He said we're still in the first wave. And as we're seeing in places uh, such as Tulsa, Oklahoma, where President Trump plans to travel, they're having a huge jump in cases because they've been uh, really more open than many parts of the country. Uh, Illinois has been more buttoned down than many places. And as you point out, Jim, we're seeing the benefit of that. But the amount of patience from the public is is slipping. And also, uh, it's one of those things where the, the more that people stop complying, the more the temptation grows because you see people out, uh, you see people not wearing uh, face masks, you see people even sitting legally under the guard, the guidelines, sitting outside of restaurants, and you get an idea that we're returning back to normal and uh, things are not as big a threat as they seem. And the health experts, as you say, are pointing out, you know, COVID-19 is still a killer and it still is kept, is very contagious. And we have to keep, uh, we have to keep being very protective, or we will see a significant second wave. And the reality is the governor has, in fact, wavered on some of the things that he was pretty adamant about at the beginning. And, and that wavering seems to be based less on what the, the scientists and the health experts are saying and more on just sort of the practical political pressures of it all, as you noted, uh, opening up churches more widely than what he initially said could happen, uh, not based upon, it seems, any uh, public health uh, uh, 
directive, uh, but just based upon the pressure that was being put on him. Uh, last week, we talked to the governor here on WMAY. Uh, one of the big things that he'd been pushing for weeks was this whole notion of contact tracing and how important it was to get that wrapped up. We wanted to move to phase four. Contact tracing was going to be very important. Uh, now the governor says that's a goal, not a mandate. And in fact, uh, just saw a, a study indicating that most parts of the state are really not at the level of contact tracing the governor said we needed to be at. Yes, and that was a, a really interesting concession that he made to to you all. Um, uh, the goal was 90% uh, new case contact tracing, and we're not even close to that. And, and studies around the world have shown that contact tracing really is the key to, um, to successful control of this disease. Iceland and South Korea in particular come to mind. And it's interesting to see the governor concede on this point. Maybe he set the goal too high. It must have been difficult in those times when he was setting these goals because so little data was available to him. But he's making some uh, political compromises here uh, in the face of a disease that continues to attack in the state and in the face of what seems to be a core belief on his part that this is a clear and present danger and he needs to do any, everything he possibly can, yet he's still a politician and still needs to run for office and still is in the fray of being criticized by uh, his, his colleagues and political opponents and contact tracing is one area in which he's made a minor concession. You know, and, and it's interesting that there has been a lot of pushback on contact tracing from people who see it as just too intrusive on the part of the government. Uh, this is anecdotal. Maybe we shouldn't read too much into this, but I was uh, looking on social media locally here. People wanting to go back to church services, but because a lot of churches are still restricting attendance, limiting the number of people can come in, they're asking people basically to register, to sign up, to be able to go and people are refusing because they're afraid that that information is going to be used for contact tracing should there be a COVID-19 outbreak linked to that church. And so that shows sort of the, the level of suspicion and mistrust that is out there a little bit on this. One of the things that is making it more difficult to, to do the sort of contact tracing that experts say you need to do to really get a handle on the pandemic. Yeah. Well, well the, other, the other part of that too, David, uh, along with that, Dr. Fauci came out and said that uh, the reason why the federal government said that there were no masks is to keep people from hoarding them too. So that, that, that harbors that distrust a little bit. Well, absolutely. I and mean, a lot of this gets down to kind of put people's political viewpoints. The privacy issue is very important. Uh, the, the resources available for protective equipment, face masks and other equipment. We saw at the height of this disease how sh there were shortages of supplies. And there's no reason to believe that those that wouldn't happen again if we start to see an increase. Uh, this is a an extraordinarily complex issue, and and that's why we have needed and relied on leadership from from people like Governor Pritzker, who seems to have uh, a very good um, uh, grasp on the the details of the issue. Was one of the governors who most aggressively went out early on and collected uh, whatever uh, protective equipment he could, and including uh, you know the the equipment. Uh, that would help people who would would um, have contracted the disease. So this is an ongoing story. It, it feels like it's been around forever. It's going to be around for a long time still. It will lead into the election and be, be a very con uh, hotly contested issue, as we will see with this Trump rally, where it's almost certain that President Trump will not be wearing a face mask. Probably most of the people in a very large crowd and an overflow room won't be wearing face masks. We've seen with the protests that 
There's a mixed use of face masks there. So we could be having some big numbers coming in very soon that tell us that this is still uh, an imminent threat. We'll be watching very carefully on that. We're going to be shifting our discussion to issues of policing uh, here in Illinois and beyond. David Greising is the president and CEO of the Better Government Association, joins us here each week on full disclosure, but also provides material and information for other media around the state, including the Chicago Tribune, recently running a column of his related to policing and particularly the whole concept of defunding the police. That's a, a, a pretty loaded phrase that doesn't mean what it appears to mean, David. You've uh, taken a deep dive into that. Well, right. Uh, it, it, at some level, it sounds like, well, you're going to take all the money away from the police. And it's more it's more nuanced than that. Uh, there's talk about sort of slimming down the police forces in the country, in Chicago in, included, uh, taking some of the work that they do, say, for example, on a health crisis uh, and send that to, say, city health departments instead of having police forces uh, tackle those problems. In Chicago, there's a specific issue, though, in that Chicago is operating under a federally mandated uh, or monitored consent decree, and there are significant costs involved simply with meeting these reform objectives. Uh, the decree alone will cost the city $20 million this year, and you can't defund the police at the same time you're paying this additional money in order to help the police reform itself. And, and there's an argument to be made. I made the argument in this column saying, let's let's fix the police department. If it, if it ultimately gets less money, fine. But in the first things first, let's address the issues of bias and rogue policing that have plagued this urban police department. And when after that work begins in earnest, then maybe we can talk about some of these other changes. It's what we talk about all the time here at the radio station, the importance of branding and how uh, how you try to to sell your idea to the public really does make a difference. It seems like a strategic error for people who are really looking for police reform, but it's allowed it to be painted as either trying to abolish or to basically starve police departments. And that isn't the idea, but it is the the notion of trying to uh, put some responsibilities in the hands of people who are more directly trained and experts in those areas, such as mental health and social work and, and things like that. Uh, but as you noted, um, there, there's still going to be an awful lot of responsibility on the shoulders of police, and it's not going to come cheaply to, to get those responsibilities taken care of. Absolutely. And and uh, in some places, they kind of mean what they say. What we're seeing happening up in Minneapolis, for example, is really a major kind of uh, breakdown of that police department. And we've seen it already in, in other states around the country where uh, the track record uh, of major uh, uh, reductions in police spending have have it has gone okay. This is a seems like a relatively new idea. There has been some experimenting with it around the country. Um, it, it's a scary thought, though, when you think of all the problems that all the cities uh, tend to have, especially during the summertime uh, when people are out more and there tends to be more street crime. Uh, the stakes are pretty high. These are life and death issues. No question. And it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch it, how it plays out in Chicago, where Mayor Lori Lightfoot has clashed with the union up there, the, the big dust up over whether officers were uh, improperly lounging around in Congressman Bobby Rush's office up there. It's going to be fascinating to watch and see how that all plays out. And of course, to be able to know how it plays out, we've got 
to be able to monitor what our government's doing. That has been certainly more difficult during the pandemic. Uh, and the BGA in the last few days had finally had enough about some of the ways that uh, these issues were being handled by Chicago city government uh, and doing it in a way that it was much harder for the public to monitor what's going on. And so they've taken the issue to court, David. Yeah, we needed to go to court to put an end to the uh, mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, holding meetings with the city council, what what she is now calling informal calls, uh, informational calls, the, the, the city law department is calling it, uh, of uh, more than a majority of the quorum of the city council, which under the Open Meetings Act is a public meeting and requires advance notice, requires an agenda, requires public comment and public uh observation. And none of those things happened on these calls. And these calls were held, at least one of them, was held at the height of all the civil disturbance that was going on in the city of Chicago. It got quite heated between the uh, some of the aldermen and Mayor Lightfoot because the aldermen were criticizing the mayor for not doing uh, enough. We know this because a, an audio tape of the meeting leaked out. And the BGA, as an open records, open government advocate, has decided we needed to go to court to put the mayor on notice that this is illegal and that it has to stop. We want records of these calls. We want videotapes of these calls. If any action were taken and we're told no action was taken, that action could have been rescinded under the law because the meeting was illegal in the first place. Uh, this is the kind of work we feel we need to do in order to have open and transparent government. Yeah, it's in an ongoing fight. Uh, while we have not had the open meetings issues here in Springfield, we continue to see uh, problems of getting FOIA requests answered in a timely manner. That's going to be an ongoing battle as well. And of course, the BGA is watching out for this and uh, we watch out for it as well here, especially each Wednesday morning on Full Disclosure here with the Better Government Association. David Greising, President and CEO, how do people reach you and the BGA the rest of the week? I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And again, here next Wednesday morning, Full Disclosure on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Thanks, David. Bye, Chris and Jim. Bye-bye.